Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Everybody, it is I, the host from the coast, a man you can trust, the answer and the question, the all-wise, all-knowing purveyor of profound entertainment, a man you know as the KDOC, that's King of DC Media, WTP, William Powell on the microphone and killing the airwaves. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Tonight's broadcast. Is brought to you by DC Actors Examiner, a colossally cool column you can find by Googling DC Actors Examiner. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Did you know that? Follow me at Facebook at handlewilliam.t.pal and Twitter at forward slash inside underbar acting. Capital I, capital A, yes, indeed. Now, these are exciting times for inside acting. Next week, we'll have on Dion Ardain and Sheila Kutzlow, and they'll be talking about their book, The Mid-Atlantic Talent Guide. And July 3rd, I'm having an Independence Day special. We're going to have on actors Dylan Hintz. He's been on the show before. He's the head of the D.C. Stunt Coalition. And also, we're going to have Wesley Inslee, and the, both of them have been on AMC's turn about the Revolutionary War. And we're also going to have a special guest, Benjamin Franklin, played by impersonator Barry Stevens. But tonight, my friends, my guest is actor and author and friend Kevin Jiggins, who has written a book, Stop Your Effing Whining! and Do the Damn Thing. Now, we're going to get into some deep-level game tonight, folks. 
Oh, you can find out uh, more about the book if you go out to stopyourfinwhining.com. That's stop your F C K I N G. Of course, whining, W-H-I-N-N-I-N-G.com. Check it out, check it out. Yes, indeed. And, you know, there's also a great article about the book. If you go out to the Philadelphia Education Examiner, written by Tamara Anderson, uh, Anderson had a pretty good quote. She had a review, uh, I think, today or day before. And she says, and I quote, This book comes with a four-star recommendation and a warning that if explicit and blunt and honest language scares you, then this may not be the book for you. And that only proves once again that Kevin says, grow a pair and get a life. Now let me talk a little bit more about Kevin. He's a recent graduate of Grantham University with a BS in multidisciplinary studies, cum laude. He's a decorated, decorated folks, U.S. Marine veteran, Purple Heart recipient. He's a former corrections officer and has more than 20 years' experience as an actor on TV and film and theater. He's a student of self-improvement, and in his book, he really puts up a mirror to the faces of the, the whiners and the complainers out there and all those excuses that they hide behind. So his book is real talk. It's real talk, folks. So I've talked enough, so let me go ahead and bring Kevin on in. Hey, Will, what's going on, man? Kevin Jiggins. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the show, and thank you for your service to our country. You're quite welcome, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always. Now, you stated in your book, and I quote, the only thing that separates me from you is my willingness to accept and deal with whatever comes my way. I never cower. Man, how did you learn that kind of resolve? Well, you know, Will, I, I, you know, I had a tough life growing up. And um, just I, I think I really learned it when I joined the Marine Corps because if you, uh-huh. know, anything about the United, if you know anything about the United States Marines, Marines are, are focused and they're concentrated because if you're not focused and concentrated, people die. And I learned how not to whine. Um, in the Marine Corps because that is not a place for whiners and complainers. And that concept, and, and, um, and, and especially being an actor, that has stuck with me for a long time because there are a lot of whiners and complainers who are actors out there. And um, <laughs> actually our, our mutual friend, uh, Dion Ordain, she, she put a few people on blast today. <laughs> okay, so, I didn't see that, but uh, <laughs> we'll get into that next week, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where I live, man, and uh, and it has worked for me. Um, for the last thirty or so years, uh, that kind of mentality works for me. Real talk, real talk. So, uh, how's the book selling, man? It's actually doing pretty well. Uh, my wife and I we went up to a Book Expo America last week, New York City at the uh, Jacob Javits Center, and I set a goal that wife well, said that we would sell, you know, five hundred copies. We sold 428 copies. We sold 18 of 25 T-shirts, and we had 15 mugs on, on hand. We sold all of those. It was a pretty good day. So far, we are right around um, 700 sold so far. So it's doing pretty good, man. And it's, and it's self-published. I did everything myself. 
Man, that, that's what I'd like to hear. You've got to be a bootstrapper in this business, man. So speaking of that, man, what's your opinion of people who live for the weekend? With living for the weekend, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, well I don't want to use profanity on your show, so but I'm, I'll, I'll go around that. <laughs> because as you, as you can tell in the book, you have a copy. I'm a cusser, man. I've been a cusser for a long time. <laughs> and I, 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 believe, I believe that a well-placed curse word can make all the difference. Uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Yeah, what's your opinion of people else. who live for the weekend? You're trying to trying to say this without cursing. I, I know it's a yeah. challenge for you, brother. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I know it can. Okay, you can do this um, thing, man. <laughs> people who live for the weekend, you have got to earn the weekend. Yep. Do, do you know what I mean? There are people yeah. who they, they dread Monday and Tuesday comes around, then Wednesday they call it hump day and they can't wait till Friday. But what are you doing with your life that you earned the weekend? I tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, Will. Um, weekends bum me out sometimes mm. only because I can't, I can't wait until Monday. You know, I need right. to work week two to, to grind and, and get stuff done and see accomplishments. So when, Friday, when tomorrow comes, I'm like, damn, you know, two days of doing work, but you're not communicating with people because people don't work on the weekends. So I've got to wait till Monday. Uh, uh, there's a motivational speaker, his, and one of my favorites, his name is uh, Eric Thomas, and he says, TGIM, thank God it's Monday. So when Monday comes, I am up, I'm grinding, I'm getting it done, man, and I'm grinding Monday through Friday. So in essence, I've earned my weekend. So Yeah, man, uh, I'm going I'm to I'm give you another idea, man. How about some uh, thank God it's Monday T-shirts, huh? How about that? Well, Eric Thomas, he already he, he already has that man. <laughs> so you know, if your listeners out there, you know, if you get a chance, go to YouTube and check out this guy, Eric Thomas, motivational speaker. This guy is incredible. And as you can see, uh, Will, I'm not a hater. You know what I mean? If my brand of motivation is not for you, I'm paying it full. Check out somebody else who's who's easier for you. But you know, you, we gotta start living a life that's abundant. You know what I mean? So check out Eric Absolutely. Thomas, uh, John Asseroff, um, uh, Brian Casey, all those guys, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Now this is a this is a real deep one right here. I know you could could speak all night on it, but you know, a lot has been written, man. What's your prescription for? I'm gonna spell it out. F E A R. Fear. What's your prescription for dealing with fear? Face it, head on, stand it, stand up to it, look it in the face. And say, look, I'm afraid of you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do. If you are, if you are wanting to be, okay, let's let's talk about something you and I both know about. If you want to act, fear will stop you from acting. You have got to stand up and say, I'm going to go to this audition, and I'm going to be scared as hell, but I'm going to go through it. And you know what I've discovered is, if you do something more than three, ten, fifteen times, you get used to it. And I've been acting over 20 years now, and I get nervous before I walk out on stage, before the camera starts running. I still get nervous. Um, it reminds me that I'm a human being. But if you fear something, you've got to face it if you want to overcome it and, and accomplish things. It's as simple as that. And, and fear keeps people trapped. You know what I mean? There are people, uh, we're living longer nowadays, 80, 90, 100 years old. And people are looking back and saying, I could have, would have, should have, win. And they allow 
fear to get in the way. People could have accomplished great things, you know, at, prior to 80, 90, 100 years old. And, and fear has stopped people uh, from accomplishing things. So you, you've got to take it head on. See, Real once talk. you start to stand up, yeah, if, if you stand up to this thing, you say, this, this wasn't so bad. I can do this. That's real talk, real talk, man. So we're going to turn our attention to the man upstairs. What's your, what's God's role in your life? Oh, boy, I know this is going to be controversial. Um, I, uh, okay, let me just go ahead and keep it real. This is how I feel about it. Hey, man, thanks for being here, man. Come on now. <laughs> uh, all right. There is no man upstairs. There, there is God. There's universal energy. Um, there is no person in the sky looking down on us, um, giving these people blessings versus those people. I just believe in universal energy, and we're all connected to it. Um, so in terms of I think when I die, I'm going to go to, like, heaven or the pearly gates. No, I don't. I believe I will live in the heaven of people's hearts who love me. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't feel like... I I don't believe in heaven or hell. I believe in heaven or hell here on earth right now. We can live in heaven as we live our dreams, or you can live in hell as you live in poverty and squalor all the time. That's just how I feel about it. But do I yeah, believe in God? I believe in God, universal energy. I do. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So then uh, that segues into your opinion of organized religion. <laughs> good, bad, organized, or good, <laughs> well, you know, to me, um, organized religion, it's, it's almost like a form of, of government, if you will. Mm. And, and for, the, for the most part, I feel like it's, it's used to control people and to keep people in line and, and also keep people in fear. Uh, mm. And that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't care for the government. I don't care for politicians. I vote, sure, I vote, but I don't vote for me. I vote for uh, um, the ninety five percent, the people, the ninety five percent of people who live in fear. I vote for them because they want leadership. They want somebody to step out and help them. I don't vote for me because I'm going to take care of Kevin Jiggins. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, and I think, you know, people who, church is fine if it's working for you. Um, if you go to church every Sunday, we'll touch on religion, and you're on your knees praying every Sunday, and you go back poor all week, it, is it really working for you? You're waiting for some outside source or thing to do something for you of which you can do for yourself. You have the energy. You have God in you. So why not get it done yourself? I'm not going to sit back and let pastor tell me what to do. You're never going to hear me say, pastor said this, pastor said that. That's never going to happen. I'm not a follower like that. Yeah, I mean, what they say, God helps those who help themselves. So you know, that's, that's, that's right. the way to look at that's it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And if you don't do anything except get on your knees and pray every Sunday and don't do anything in, in route to your goals and dreams, you're not going to have anything. The universe will meet you halfway if you go halfway. 
Yeah, right. It's like matching, you know, matching funds, you know. Sure. And that's just, you know, that's just my opinion on it. And I know people are going to be pissed with me about that, but okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We have the First Amendment. (laughs) There you go. That's right. That's right, which you you bravely, uh, you know, supported through your your activities in the military. So moving on to... um, Family, that's a big thing, you know, and a lot of celebrities have talked about this, like uh, Tyler Perry, a lot of uh, dignitaries and famous people. The whole thing about family, do you think that one family can be an obstacle to success? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in the book I talk about um, how when a, when a child is born, um, the child's mind is, is like a, a blank chalkboard. And mm-hmm. the people around him or her um, hold a piece of chalk. Mm-hmm. And these people, they write on this chalkboard and they start to influence the child. Um, so, yes, yeah, family can be an obstacle. And, and, and the thing about family, as you grow up, if family is not supportive and, and, and in your corner, um, you tend to live like that. You know what I mean? You start to believe what they believe, that uh, being a celebrity is for special people. Being a doctor is for special people. You don't have those gifts, and that's that's not true. Family will talk you out of anything if you let them. And here's the thing: mm. it's family. If you realize that these people are toxic, you've got to let them go, even if they are family. Family will do you wrong just because they're family. They they can get away with it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh, people that will squash your dreams if you if you're not careful. Now you know I, I, there was a go ahead. No, go ahead, Will. Yeah, there was a story you had in your little anecdote you had about two kids and the sand castles. I know you you know what I'm talking about. But they had two kids and you know, a random wave comes up and knocks out both the sandcastles, and one kid's whining and complaining about it, got knocked over, and the other one's, you look over there, he's halfway fast, you know, rebuilding the sandcastle. So why do you think people play the blame game? People look for, I think, you know, in the 95%, those are the people who don't want to take responsibility for their lives, so they look for something to something to blame it on. Like in the book, the kid talks about, um, he, well, he's whining, complaining, he's blaming waves. But the other kid, he moves up the beach a little further from the waves, he starts again. That's where we should be. If every time your sandcastle gets knocked over, you got to find a solution, go up the beach a little further away from the waves, and, and start anew. And that's part of getting it done, getting your life, make your life happen. Um, and the kid is blaming the waves. And people in life, we bl- we find something to blame. It's her fault I can't do this. It's his fault I can't do that. And that's some BS. You can't tell me what I can do. I can do what I want to do. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I can't do this because uh, I'm, I'm married to this woman and I'm going to divorce her when? We're divorced. Don't talk about it. Be about it. I'm going to divorce him when. I can't do it because they're blaming something or some, some circumstances. Mm. That's real talk. That's real talk. And, 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 and Will, you and I, we've known each other for, for years. And 
what I'm saying to you is what I've said to you in real life, brother. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. What's your opinion of boring people? You said boring people? Yeah, boring people. Boring people, <sighs> I have I have zero tolerance for them. I, I want to be around people who are talking about being about something and doing something and, and living lives to their fullest. Boring people, they they get up, like they go to work five days a week, they complain, they live for the weekend. Those are boring people to me. I don't want to be around you. Um, I'll give you information. I'll share information with you, but it's up to you to use it. And they are draining. Boring people drain people like me and you. And, and it's just it's not worth my energy. When I could be around right. somebody like you or somebody who's positive and upbeat, somebody who wants to uh, um, do great things, you know what I mean? Because those people energize me. Boring people drain. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, uh, they say that you should, you're influenced by the the five people that you spend the most time with. And that's that kind of segues into this whole thing about friendship. So, What's your definition of of a true friend as opposed to a person who's this uh, acquaintance slash hater? <laughs> He's a hater. Um, I, true friends are people who who honestly and genuinely care about you and. You know this, and a lot of times we ignore this thing, but we instinctively know the people who honestly and truly care about us and care about our interests. And we will give that back to these people. But a lot of times we think these people are our friends. My, my friend Skip, uh, we've been friends for, oh, God, 36, 37 years. He is my true friend. I can look at that brother, and I can tell he cares about me. My wife is my true friend. I know she honestly cares about me, um, and, and vice versa. They can look at me and they can see it in my eyes. I care about you. I got your back. And these are people. Right. These are people who support your dreams, uh, and they encourage you. True friends encourage. They don't hate. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it seems like oftentimes we have people who we we think are, are fellow travelers, but then they, you know. As time goes on, it seems like you know they they don't really support you. They they they're kind of smile on your face and they'll pat you on the back and they glad hand you. And then you, if there's any work to be done or any commitment to be made or anything like that, and they have to to really put themselves out there. It seems like they they know where to be found. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that happens all the time, man. And and you know here's the other thing about that, Will. We instinctively know who these people are. We know who they are, but we, we ride along with them anyway. Um, and, and I use that term instinctively in, in that we are connected to the universe. We have got to stop ignoring our instincts. Do you, do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that, I mean that. Oh, been, man, you yeah. really got, yeah. Whole books have been written about that. That's really, you know, you, you, you really got to, Feel a person out. That's a very valuable skill. They have the judge of character. Yeah, yeah. And, and we all know how to do it. 
We just ignore it. Yeah. People end up in toxic relationships because they just want to be with somebody, and they know this person is not good for him or her. They do. I mean, I've yep. done it. You know what I mean? So right. I mean, we've got Absolutely. to trust our instincts. Um, in, in in my book, I talk about um, being over in Beirut in in 1983, uh, just prior to the bombing. Right. And um, and this is this is real talk, Will. This is true. The day before the bombing, front of the building that is to be bombed the next day, and my instincts told me something was wrong. They told mm. another guy that I was talking to. His name was JJ. Yo, and we were talking about it. Uh, something's wrong, something's in the air, something bad is about to happen. You could feel it, and these were my true instincts talking to me. And the next morning, of course, the terrorists drove a truck into the building and, and killed 241 of my best friends. So mm. you, have, you have to trust your instincts. It's there. Mm. It, it's not, and, yeah, we ignore this stuff all the time, and I, I trust mine. I know oh, good yeah. people. Yeah, bad people. No, I don't need to be involved with him, her, or them. I these are people I need to be involved with here. Absolutely, that's that's absolutely. So, man, we're gonna get into some some real, real deep level game here. This is really gonna blow some people's minds right here. So, now, what do you think of the the? There's a there's a quote by the Greek philosopher. Yeah, let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right now. Epictetus, I probably butchered it, but there's a Greek philosopher who said, (laughs) I quote, you bear God within you, poor wretch, and know it not. What does that quote mean to you? It means um, if you have been told um, that you are a poor wretch, you are incorrect. You are not a poor wretch. You have God within you. You have the universe within you. You can accomplish anything you want. Um, I mean, there have been gospel songs written about, you know, I'm such a poor wretch, and and that's just so BS. And what happens is people believe this. I need some outside source to help me, but you have God already in you. You know what I mean? If, If you... Any athlete, any any doctor, lawyer, uh, uh, entertainer, these people, this is the God within them. Uh, the, the song, uh, Mary, Mary, the gospel group, Mary, Mary, say the God in you. You have to meet that. That's what that is. Right. So none of us are poor wretches. I think that's a cop-out. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. How does one find their calling? Um, most of us at an early age, we know what we want to do with our lives. Um, when you're six, seven years old, most of us have said, when I grow up, I want to be. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh-huh. But that gets lost. That gets lost in family and, and, and social uh, society and, and all of that kind of stuff. People move away from what, what they really want to be. But I ask you, if, imagine if you will, if you had $20 million in the bank already, you've traveled the world, you have all these 
possessions and things. And the only way you could keep that those things, those things that make you comfortable, that you become accustomed to, you have to find something that you love to do, get up, go do, and love to do every day without complaining about it. Even if it's a bad day or in that career, what would you do? If you can answer that question, that's what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. My 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 grandmother, uh, and this is uh, circa 1975 or so, um, I saw the film uh, Breakout with the uh, late Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew then, I said, I want, I want to be an actor. So I told my grandmother, I said, Grandma, I know what I would be when I grow up. And she said, well, what's that you want to be, sweetie? I said, I want to be an actress. She said, well, um, no, you, 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 you can't be an actress. And I was disappointed. I was like, well, why not? Well, see, that's, that's, that's for women. You, as a man, you can be an actor. I said, I thought about it a second. I said, Grandma, that's what I want to be. And I've been acting for a long time now. And going back to that fear thing, um, yeah, I've had regular jobs in my life, Will. And in 1991, on my birthday, I decided uh-huh. to step out of my comfort zone because of fear, and I took my uh-huh. first acting workshop. Scared to death. Scared to death. And I said, I can do this. You have to step. You have to face that thing that you fear. And I've been doing right. it 23 years now. That's real talk, man. That's real talk. So I'm going to move over to this whole thing about visualization, and specifically a vision book. Exactly what is a vision book and what should go in it? Any and everything that you want in your life. Um, in my vision book, I have a picture of, uh, for example, I have a picture of this, this million-dollar home. It, it's gorgeous, not got pictures uh, of inside of other homes, like with marble floors and circular staircases and um, I have pictures of, of um, checks made out to me for acting services rendered. These are the things I hope to experience. And what I do is every other day or so, I go through my vision book and I look at these pictures and I get those feelings of what it feels like to possibly have these things because I believe if any, if if, if Denzel Washington can have them, so can I. So I flip through my book. I, I get the feelings that I want to have from these things, and I go about my day. And I think what that's doing is that's sending the energy into the universe. As I move forward with, with uh, pursuing my goals, um, there was an author, um, her name, Shak, Shakti Gawain. I want to S-H-A-K-T-I-G-A. W-A-I-N, who wrote an outstanding book on visualization. And um, everybody talks about it. Oprah Winfrey talks about it, seeing things into existence. Now, let me say this, Will. You can have a vision book, and you can see these things, but if you don't get the feeling, the great feelings that these things might bring to you and move in the direction of your goals, it's not going to happen. They they work together. Mm. Yeah, you got to have the emotion, huh? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so that kind of that kind of 
segues over into the importance of a written plan. How? What's some things that should go into your your plan and your and your goals that you write down? Well, I mean, you have to have um, an end goal. If you know me, you have to have an end goal. This is what I want to accomplish. And you know, in the in the chapter called Baby Steps, it's a little bit at a time, accomplish, accomplishing these little things at a time to to get to the whole in your written plan. And we have a tendency, research says that um, if things are written down, we have a tendency to follow them more. If you keep a calendar, a day planner, we, we open that day planner and we tend to do what's in there. You know what I mean? Um, you write mm-hmm. stuff down, it becomes, it almost becomes a contract. It, and we innately think we have to stick to the contract. So it's important to write this stuff down little bit by little bit by little bit. And we all get, I mean, the big picture frightens us sometimes. So we'll yeah. shy away. We, we won't do it anymore. Writing a book, um, the big picture, all those words, that's 45,000 words in that book, man, uh, 152 pages. And the big picture almost made me shy away. But I was like, oh, I know how to do this, little bit by little bit by little bit. Write it down little bit by little bit by little bit. And now you, I'm, I'm a published author. So you have to write, write your, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's right. So write your goals down. Now start writing down, what am I going to accomplish these things? Um, Little bit by little bit by little bit. And if you write it down, it almost feels like a contract to you, and you have to stick to it. And, and research also shows that, that if you write stuff down and you don't stick to the plan, you feel innately bad about it. You say, ah, oh, I didn't do this today. Ah, oh, you know, or, or you abandon it altogether. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you have a, have a dash dream that's, that's awful. That's that's really yeah. That's really terrible. And and you know, like I said, people are living longer, man, going to the grave saying coulda, woulda, shoulda when I was. Um, mm. If I'm if I'm allowed, you know, final last words, I want to look around the room of my loved ones, my friends, people that I know care about. I want to say I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a effing ride. That's what I want to say. I love it. <laughs> Does the Marines say, out effing standing, huh? Yeah, that's out effing standing. <laughs> and I'm a Marine, a Marine through and through. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to kind of deep, dig deep down here and kind of talk about some people don't like to talk about. And that's the F word, failure. Now you 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 saying here that most people want a life without failure, and you're saying that that's not possible. So what's what's the role of failure in in, in the road to success? Well, the in in terms of failure, failure is the result of fear, fear, failure, failure, fear. Um, we've got to get to a place if you are to break out of the the ninety five percent and be a part of the five percent. And here's the thing, Will. They will all be 95% and the 5%. If you want to be in the 5%, you have got to embrace the possibility of failure. You are going to fail. 
you're going to fail multiple times, thousands of times. Michael Jordan failed multiple times, greatest basketball player of our time. Do you know what I mean? You are going to fail. But with failure, you learn something. You You learn what not to do next time. Nobody wants to fail. Everybody wants to succeed right away. It doesn't work that way, and I don't care who you are. Oprah Winfrey failed. Uh, Richard Branson failed when he was in high school uh, trying to start up a, um, a newspaper, but he learned what to do. He started um, a small record company, Virgin Records. He's one of the entrepreneurs, biggest entrepreneurs in the world now. He, he right. accepted failure. You've got to accept it. And when it happens, you, add, you step back and say, okay, that didn't work. What can I do next time? Nobody wants to fail. Everybody wants the easy way out, and it does not work that way. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There's, there's so many people that, that had setbacks. Look, it's uh, Steve Jobs had, uh, had kicked out of his own company. Had, everybody they, was about old, old Abe Lincoln. <laughs> Steve Jobs, that's right. <laughs> yep. Now, uh, look at Apple. Well, he's no longer with us, but look at Apple. Look at what he built. Right because he failed right. multiple times in the beginning. And, and what happens is you fail multiple times in the beginning and you start to succeed, you start to really believe in yourself. And like Steve Jobs, he believed in his product and in himself, and as he started to succeed, guess what? He started to surround himself with the best people, and they would fail minimally then. They still failed, but it was minimal. So you, you have right. to embrace, you know, it, you're going to fail. I'm still failing. I go on multiple auditions. I don't get the job. I'm, I'm not failing myself because I'm putting myself out there. But I know the more I go, the better, the more jobs I book. I'm not going to book them all. Absolutely. So you got to be willing to fail some. Right. Yeah, now you mentioned the uh, auditions. So what are some of the ways, I know you wrote this book for everybody, but what, if I'm a young actor and I pick up this book, what, what's some good takeaways that actors can, and takeaways and nuggets uh, actors can, can use from this book? Can I get you to hold one second, Will? Oh, okay, no problem. All right. All right, folks, we'll play some music here. Okay, there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Uh, Matt, go ahead. You said audition. Um, Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Hold on. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay, you got it. Okay, sorry about that. I just had some bumper music in between. So we were talking about nuggets that actors can use uh, from your book. Uh, well, let me say this. In terms of um, acting and, and actors, um, actors have got to get out of their own way. Mm. Um, and, and, and finish because I used to be in my own way in terms of acting. Um, it's important. And what actors can take, get, take from my book is being bold. 
learning to not really give a damn about the business. Do do you know what I mean? Because the business does not really care about actors. Um, It's it's Mm. a finely tuned tuned machine. It will chew you up, spit you out, and keep going. And Mm. in my book, it's my hope that actors learn how to be brave and face this machine, stand up to this machine called the industry. Mm. And, you know, I live by my by the words of my book. Um, and I stand yeah. up to I stand up to this machine all the time at auditions. I go in, I do my thing, I walk out and I don't give a damn. If they call me back, cool. If they do, if they don't, all right. And and what happens is when I mean get in your own way, actors and I I used to be like this like really sensitive, you know, mm. um they, they, it's, I think nowadays they say getting in your feelings. You get really sensitive about not getting a job or you're waiting for the phone to ring. you got to get out of your own way in that. Leave it in there, and you go home. You call me, you call me, you don't, you don't. you got to be bold. Yeah, and it sounds like you, you can't really be attached to the outcome. No, you can't. The, the, the goal of an actor um, my goal is to have an outstanding audition. When I walk out of that room, I want to walk down the street to my car and say, yeah, nice job, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> the rest is all, if, yeah, it, it, I would say a little more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but when I get in my car, no, just confident that I did everything that I possibly do um, in that room. And I left it in there, and I'm done. I'm going home. I don't think about it anymore. And and newer actors, they think about it all day. They wait for the phone to ring. Uh, why didn't I get that? Um, I know I'm right for that. Why did he get that? I'm bad. I did. I know I did good. It's too much. You know, it wears you out. It's stressful. And in yeah. the last I don't know, ten years or so, I've learned how to do my homework before I go in there. Uh, go in prepared. And and do what I need to do and walk out, totally confident. Hmm. Okay. So and, you've told me how. You, go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. So uh, so you've told me how you approach auditions. So then, what's some of the preparations that you you take into when you get on the set? When you get on the like for on the film set for TV sets? Well, you know. When you book the role, that's that's the bonus. I mean, okay. great audition is the goal. Now, if you want you book it, that's the bonus. That's the icing on the cake. And the preparation is all of the note taking that's necessary that you do when you get that script in your hand. The hours that you spend in your car thinking about it, all the notes you write on the script, in the script, around the script, and defining exactly what you're going to do or what you're supposed to be doing. And, and the, the, the key is, well, actors, for the most part, feel like they have to do something special. And that's, that's a myth. All you have to do is be you. These words have to fit your own personality. If you look at Denzel mm-hmm. Washington, uh, Al Pacino, Morgan Freeman, these, uh, oh, my, my, the love of my life, Meryl Streep, 
they don't really do anything special. You know what they do? Mm. They believe they believe what they're talking about. Mm. Of course, there, there's there's some circumstances and some stuff. I mean, you you have to go into that script and pull the meat out of that script because it's all right. there. It's all there. You, as an actor, it's part of your job when you're taking notes in this thing. So when you get to set and that um, director says, and action, or when they call first team in the circle um, to you know, talk about it, I mean, you, you've done all the homework. I mean, you're not afraid or shy or anything because you've done all the homework. And the director says, you know, Spike Lee standing in the middle of the group, he says, let me hear this. And then all the actors in the circle are giving their lines. And he says, okay, let's go shoot this. You've done the homework. Uh-huh. You know, or Daniel Barnes is standing next to me and Viola Davis and Maggie Gyllenhaal. And he says, let me hear this. And we do the lines. And it, even if he asked me, he said, Kevin, what do you think about so-and-so and so-and-so? And I, ha- I have an answer for him because I've done the homework. got to do the homework. Uh-huh. So... You know, many people, a lot of people seem to think that acting is um, you memorize a bunch of lines and you go out and say it this way, you get angry here, and you get angry, you smile here, you smile there. It's, it's about instinct and trusting yourself. Yeah, I mean, instinct. if that's the case, yep. if it's just if it's about uh, memorizing a whole bunch of lines, then why don't, I just, uh, why don't I just go memorize a whole bunch of medical books and call myself a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Pull that meat out of that script. Okay, I'm going to... It's all in there. Hold on one second, hold on one second, Will. Okay. Hey, Will? Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm here. here. Okay. If I, if I lose you, I will call you. I'm getting go right okay. now. Yeah, you can kind of chop each Okay, can you hear me? Hello, Kevin. I'm losing him. Hello, can you hear me? Got a bad connection, folks. Okay, he dropped. All right, so we'll wait for him to call back in. We'll just listen to uh, the Ramblin' Man from Gremlin, NFL Films.
You have reached the voicemail box of 24. Okay, and we're back. Okay, Kevin, welcome back. Welcome back, man. Hey, well, um, sorry about that. It's okay. It's quite all right. It happens sometimes. I want to jump into books. I want you to, to name three great acting books, and I want you to talk about three great self-help books that have inspired you, of course, besides yours. Um, okay, three great... I'm going to try to do this. Acting yeah. for acting for TV and film yeah. by his last name is Barr. I can't remember his first name, B-A-R-R. Uh-huh. Um, acting in film by Michael Caine. I'm actually reading that again for like probably the 10th time. Uh, <laughs> um, that's it. Something else may hit me. But the greatest one of the greatest self-help books I've ever read. It's called The Ultimate Secret of uh, Total Self, Self-Confidence by hmm. Dr. Robert Anthony. And I've probably huh. read that one at least ten times. Oh, huh. okay. Yes. Okay. I mean, there are others, uh, but I, I just can't think of them right now. i got to be yeah. looking at my bookcase because okay. I have a ton of them up there. Yeah, I kind of put you on the spot there a little bit. <laughs> well, another great book um, in terms of um, self-help and motivation and what we were talking about earlier in terms of the universe and, and energy being within you or God within you is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Another yeah, outstanding okay. book. Probably read that, I don't know, ten times. Yeah, now what's the deal with that one? That one is, I think it's, it's like a novel. It's written in a story form. Is that the deal? It, it's story form, and it's the story okay. of this young man who goes on this journey, unsure of where he's going. But by the yeah. end of the book, I don't want to give it all away, he learns to trust his instincts and trust that everything he needed was inside of him. Hmm. So Absolutely. just a great book, the, uh, the Alchemist, yeah. Yeah, but again, okay. you know, I recommend the ultimate secrets of total self confidence by Dr. Robert Anthony. Outstanding hmm. read. Okay, I'm taking my go to the library get that one this weekend. Check it out. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Of course, okay, so of course, stop your okay. whining. That's a great book too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about. Okay, so um, we're kind of coming near the end of the show, so we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, some of your favorite roles and uh, some acting projects you got coming up, man. Um, I just recently, as a matter of fact, it aired about two weeks ago now <clears throat> on Lifetime. I was uh-huh. um, incident, incident Commander Brown on the show um, Those Who Kill. Okay. Um, but that, that was a nice, that was a good role. Uh-huh. Um, of course, won't Back Down is on DVD with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Viola Davis. Um, I was uh, Mr. Manis in that. Okay. Um, good, great theater roles. One that scared the hell out of me when I first got it. It's just me. 
and proved to me that I could do just about anything in theater. I got the role right. of um, Malcolm X in a place meeting. Oh, <laughs> man, that's a great one. Yeah, and if you know anything about Malcolm X, you know, um, he was a talker. And Absolutely. The, the role, I mean, just play had to be like 20 minutes and I'm not going to memorize all of that, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I did well, according to his sister, uh, his youngest sister that I met uh, in Lansing, Michigan. She came out to the show. And wow. after the show, yeah, after the show, uh, the stage manager comes up to me and he says, um, do you know who that is? I said, I don't know who that is. He said, that's Malcolm G. Yvonne. She comes over to me and she holds my hand, you know, in hers and, my eyes filled up, her eyes filled up, and she said, you were so my brother, which is the greatest compliment I've ever gotten um, uh, in theater. Check that <laughs> but in, in every actor should do theater. I don't care if it's community theater, professional theater, you've got to do theater. And theater is the, um, that, that's the best, in my opinion, and most actors, that's the best training ground because there's no safety net. You, you, I mean, you've done theater. You got to get through, and, and you know things go wrong in theater. There's no safety net. You've got to do it. Everybody wants to be a star, but nobody wants to put in the work. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's right. That's right. Okay, man. So tell us, uh, where can people buy your book? Well, if you order from the site www. S T O P Y O U R F C K I N G W H I N I N G stop your F whining uh, dot com. <clears throat> they come direct to me and I sign them. But it, you can get it Amazon, Kindle, uh, Nook, and those venues as well. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, how can fans find out more about uh, your upcoming projects? Um, Facebook, uh, because whenever I book something and I'm doing something, um, I, I normally post on Facebook, uh, YouTube. Oh, and my, up, my upcoming project is a project called The Night Watchman with uh, okay. Ken Luca and, and Ken Arnold. And as it stands, we may be shooting that this fall. It's a feature length, uh, about three night security guards who, who battle vampires throughout the night. It's a great project, too. It's a great script. <laughs> Yeah, I might have you all back on the on the show for that to talk about that one. You know what? We sure. got the switchboards are lighting up. Uh, we got a caller here. Let's see if you can recognize this number. Uh, eight three one. Who do you know at eight three one? Eight three one. Nobody. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's see if we can. Uh, I think somebody might want to talk here. So okay, eight three one. We're coming at you here. So let's see. Who's on the line? Good evening. You're on the air. Kevin Jiggett. Hey, who is this? You know who this is. Phil David? This is Dom, Kevin. Oh, what's, going, what's going on, Dom? How you doing this evening? Nothing much, sir. I'm good. And yourself? I'm doing all right, man. So you've been listening to this time? Yes, I have. Come on now. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I never knew that Kev played Malcolm X well. 
Never, ever. He never talked uh-huh. about it. But um, yeah, I did some time ago. Yeah, that's um pretty astonishing, sir. Thank but you, sir. I did um have one question. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. If you wrote a script, and I know that you mm-hmm. write, mm-hmm. if you could give me three actors that you could have on board. Who would they be, whether male or female? Actually, um, I've written several uh, screenplays. Um, uh, my last um, holiday at Emerson made its way around Hollywood. Has like what it's called a lot of fingerprints on it uh, by people like George Clooney, Clint Eastwood, Billy Crystal. Who did? But they said <clears throat> going to pass. Um, right now, um, if, if I if I get some traction again. I I like Taraji Henson. Um, um, Don Cheadle and Kevin Jenkins, if he's available. <laughs> I, I, okay, let, let's say for the sake of picking somebody else that you're already in it and you're the lead. Right, right. <clears throat> and um, the person who I would have play, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I just want to say before I get off of here that I learned a lot tonight about you and the craft that I've been learning for years now. Yes. And that you are an inspiration to many, sir. And I am thankful for your time and appreciative of your grace. All right. I appreciate you, man. But you already know that. Oh, of course. Okay, buddy, well, uh, thanks for listening and for calling. Ah, no doubt. All right, now. All right, Don, take it easy. All right. All right, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we didn't even touch on that, the writing, the whole, besides uh, writing nonfiction, writing fiction. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I've I've written uh, two screenplays, man. Um, You know, like I said, my last one, my baby, Holiday at Emerson, um, it's, it had a lot of traction a couple of years ago, and then it just kind of died out. And then I, mm. just, I didn't pursue it um, because I started doing other things, started working on my book, um, went back to school and finished my degree. That took two and a half years. Uh, but guess what? I didn't whine. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. And, you know, if, if you just – if you do – it little by little you'll see it'll start to pay off oh, yeah. and i'm we're going my wife and i we're going out to um missouri in about two months um because i'm going to officially graduate college okay absolutely man that's, that's what's up well congratulations again it's a banner well, here for sir. you yes sir all right all right man all right Okay, so we're kind of coming toward the end of the show here, man. So I know we kind of uh, took a, a last-minute call right there. So, uh, oh, so Night Watchmen, Night Watchmen. So yes. uh, you're going to be filming that this fall, right? Uh, we are, uh, yes. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I'm going to put it into the universe, yes. Okay, that's right. <laughs> put it into the universe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that sounds good, man. Well, you've been a great guest, man, and uh, 
definitely have you on again, uh, and possibly uh, probably have you and Ken on uh, at least uh, talk about uh, Night Watchmen. And, okay, uh, that'll be great. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, I wish you good luck with the book, man, and everything in your career. I appreciate that, Will. Have a good night, man. And I didn't cuss on your show. I tried and I didn't. I tried and I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you pull, I don't know how you pull that off, Kevin, but uh, you did it, man. You did it. I did it, <laughs> and you and you didn't whine about it either. <laughs> I did. I didn't whine about it. <laughs> All right, Kevin. All right, man. You have a All great right, night. Well, have a great night. Okay, Talk to you. All right. Okay, bye bye. Okay, dear listeners, I got a couple quotes here before we go. Uh, one is from uh, Kevin Jiggett himself, and. He writes, and I quote, opportunity doesn't knock for a corpse. And I have another quote I'll leave you with. And this is by the the Roman philosopher Seneca. If we let things terrify us, life will not be worth living. Night.